Let's do the word of the Lord. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. And the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel news to you, the good news to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Amen. I'll lead us in prayer. Gracious Father, Thank you for this revelation of your word ministered to us through this first letter written by the Apostle Peter. We thank you for your divine wisdom in ordaining that your truth to your people will be ministered to us through prophets and apostles. Lord, we want to be enlightened in your truth today. Guide us as we study this portion of your word. Guide the preacher and give us all ears to hear what the Spirit would say to us and instruct us in today. We pray in our Savior Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. One of the great revelations in the New Testament is the rich teaching and information given to us about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not hidden in the Old Testament, but information about Him is relatively scarce, uh, especially compared with the New Testament. The Lord Jesus opened to us a whole new vista, a whole new view of the Spirit of God, and our knowledge of Him was enriched, I would say, tenfold at least. Chapters John, for example, 14, 15, and 16 greatly expand our knowledge and understanding of the Spirit's person and His work. We read, for example, in John 14, 26, as Jesus spoke to His apostles, He said, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So we learn from this one verse alone several things about the Holy Spirit. He's the helper of Jesus. The Father will send him to the people of God in Jesus' name and that he would teach the apostles everything they needed to know and remember that they had heard from the mouth of the Master during, during their three years with him. And so we cling with fierce loyalty and devotion to the writings of the apostles in the New Testament because what they wrote was guided and certified as true and reliable by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Without the Spirit of God, we could not understand the things of God, nor would we have the inclination or the power to come to Jesus and be saved from our sins. It is the Spirit of the living God who joins us to Christ Amen. and joins Christ to us. Well, 
today's passage, 1 Peter 1, 10 through 12, holds true to form in what we've seen so far in our previous three studies in this letter, that these three verses are chocked full of biblical and theological truth which bid us to come and camp for a while, dig in, investigate, and meditate on the great truths contained therein. Well, just as the prophets of old were dependent upon the Spirit, we too are dependent upon the Spirit of God to open up His Word to us today. Three great truths in this passage that I want to bring out today. Let me tell you what they are, and then we'll go through them. First of all, the predictions of the prophets were about Christ and His people. Not just about Christ, but about His people also. And secondly, the predictions of the prophets were not their own ideas, but were revelations of the Spirit. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit, who inspired the prophets, also inspired the preachers of the gospel. So let's begin. First of all, the predictions of the prophets were about Christ and His people. Now you notice that the text begins here and says, uh, concerning this salvation, verse 10, concerning this salvation, Peter writes, uh, the prophets who prophesied. Well, what is it about this salvation? Uh, what is this salvation? This salvation, well, it's what he's mis- just been talking about in the previous verses, verses 3 through 9. And we read there how that it was God's mercy that was the underlying cause of our salvation, not our works, and that our new birth, our spiritual birth, is based upon, is connected to Christ's resurrection from the dead. It just didn't happen in a void. It's connected to a historical event, the resurrection of Christ from the dead. And we read how this salvation is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. In fact, it is kept in heaven, no safer place, kept in heaven for us, it's guarded by no less than God's power Amen. by which he created the universe. Our salvation is being guarded in heaven. There's no safety deposit box like that on earth. And we read that this salvation will be fully revealed in the last time. Well, all these truths and these six or so verses are quite mind-boggling as it is. How can God be so rich in love and mercy to act in such a powerful way to save us and keep us in his love? What a great God of love and mercy he is. Having learned this about him, who would not want to serve him and worship this God? Could there be any higher blessing on earth than for a sinful human to know this God and to serve him through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And we learned through this passage that even in our grievous trials and testings, there is a greater purpose. They are testing our faith. They are maturing us. They are burning off the impurities of our spiritual lives. They need to be tossed aside as we pilgrim toward the heavenly city. 
the city of God. And ultimately, they bring glory to God as we go through these testings and we look to him for help. So this is the most important thing that we can be involved in. Whether we have great trials or small trials is bringing glory to God. So these are some of the realities when Peter says concerning this salvation. Well, this great salvation, the prophets were given glimpses of it. And every glimpse they got, they treasured it as a rich morsel given from the throne of God. They were like men who had only eaten beans and rice for years. It, it kept them alive. But then one day, they were sent food from the king's palace, a sample of all his rich fare, meats and vegetables and sausages, breads and desserts. And, and when they tasted this food, which they'd never tasted before, they were blown away by the text and textures, the taste and textures of such rich food, but they only got a taste. They didn't have a full meal. They were told they'd have to wait a long time to get the full meal. This is something of what the prophets were sampling in the revelations of the Messiah. So they were tantalized by what the Spirit of God was revealing to them, but they weren't given the full picture. But what they did receive, they faithfully recorded it, and they preached it, and they let it be known what God had shown them. Who were these prophets? Well, they were Moses and Isaiah and David and Jeremiah and Daniel and all the other prophets. Well, do we need to re uh, read the prophets today? Are they just old ancient writings? No. They are highly relevant. It's in the prophets that we learn more of redemptive history. We learn about the foundations of our faith. We can understand better what they predicted of the coming of the Messiah and how their predictions were fulfilled in Jesus of Nazareth. So we need to read the prophets to see what they predicted about Jesus and how it was fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the Savior and deliverer of God's people. So these predictions were about, not only about the Messiah, but about his people also. It says uh, in verse 10, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who wrote about the grace that was to be yours. Grace for the people of God. You cannot separate Christ from his people. This is the whole reason Christ came to gain a people for himself, to be their God, and they were to be his people. So we are saved from our sins and from hell, not only to be joined to Christ, but to be joined to his people also. That's why I need you, and you need me. We all need one another. We are part of the body. We are the body of Christ. A hand cannot exist by itself without being connected to the body, nor can the foot exist by itself without being connected to the body. In other words, we need the church, and the church needs us. To be a Christian means to be a vital member of a local church. The New Testament, in fact, knows of no other type of Christian. Well, this salvation that Peter is talking about 
is about the common grace for the people of God. He says in verse 10, the prophets prophesied about the grace that was to be yours. Oh, really? Isaiah, you're talking about grace that's going to be mine in my day and age? Well, yes. Grace is a free gift, something we can't earn, not a performance on our part, but Christ's performance, Christ's work, what he did, what he, the way he lived, what he taught, he died, he rose, he ascended, he sent the Spirit, we receive all of his gracious gifts, we cannot buy Christ's salvation, it's given to us by grace, we can only hear about it, believe it, receive it, and give him praise all the days of our life. Well, the prophets wrote about the salvation. Salvation and the grace that was coming to the people of God. And they wrote specifically about Christ's sufferings and the subsequent glories. You know, they saw these lambs being sacrificed every day in the temple. These were some of the types that were happening that we read a song about in that song. They spoke of the Lamb of God who would come to take away the sins of the world. And throughout uh, the Old Testament, there are several clear uh, places where the prophets wrote about the sufferings of the Messiah. We read this morning Isaiah 53, uh, verse 4 and 5. We esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Now, can you imagine being smitten of God? I mean, I could go out here on the street at night and get smitten by a criminal and beat up and taken to the hospital. But that's nothing compared to be smitten by the almighty holy God who poured out his wrath upon his son. He was smitten by God himself. Why? Not for his own sins, but for our sins. He was smitten. He was afflicted. He was pierced. For our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Clear suffering of the Messiah is revealed to the prophets. We could go, for example, to Psalm 22, which someone has said it's like there was a reporter at the foot of the cross recording what he saw. Verses 16 and 17, they pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lights. They cast lots. Well, the prophets were inspired to predict Jesus' sufferings. They were also guided and inspired to predict the subsequent glories of the Messiah. Psalm 2, for example, the Lord said to me, you're my son, today I've begotten you, ask of me and I'll make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. This is what the Messiah is going to have, the ends of the earth, the nations. Or in Daniel, this great prophecy, chapter 7, verse 13, behold the clouds of heaven There came one like a son of man, and he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. 
And to him, the Son of Man, to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom so that all nations, peoples, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. His kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. This was a subsequent glory of the Son of Man that the prophecy was given to Daniel. And he wrote it down. So, you see, these prophecies were not given to the prophets for their own uh, private knowledge and meditation. Look at what verse 12 says. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. What was being shown to Isaiah and Daniel was not just for uh, their own enjoyment, but it was something that was going to be understood and received for the people of God to come in the future. And, and they knew this. It says it was revealed to them. They were writing about the Messiah. And they were writing for the supreme benefit of the people of God who were to come, who were to be born in future ages, future centuries. God ordained these ancient prophets to serve us in our day, to serve the church from the first century. They were serving and prophesying not for their own benefit, not even for the benefit of the people around them so much, but for future people. This is just amazing. You see, God knows the end from the beginning. Amen. And he showed the end back there in the beginning to the prophets, the end that was coming. Hundreds of years before Messiah appeared in human history, the prophets spoke about him, about his suffering and his subsequent glories. Well, when the Christ did come, he was born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He rose from the dead on the third day. And for 40 days he appeared in many irrefutable proofs, as it said in Acts chapter 1, to show them that he was alive physically. Same body, been raised by the power of God. And so, <clears throat> the early church understood that these prophecies were being fulfilled in the person of Jesus. So they began to preach this, beginning on the day of Pentecost. They taught that all the prophecies of the Old Testament regarding the Messiah were fulfilled and consummated in Jesus of Nazareth up in Galilee, the carpenter. After the Lord saved Paul, he pretty much followed in Peter's footsteps, but he went out to the Gentile nations. And he would go into these Roman cities the, in the Roman Empire. He would go into the the Jewish place of worship, the synagogue, and he would stand up and he would begin to tell them how all these prophecies, he'd go over Isaiah 53 and Psalm 2 and, and uh, Psalm 16 and so forth, saying this has been fulfilled in this man, Jesus of Nazareth, because God raised him from the dead. Time 
has arrived in human history. We are in the last days. The Messiah has come. So you need to receive Him. Repent of your sins. Believe the Gospel. And follow Christ as your Lord and Savior all the days of your life. And Paul went into the Greek intellectual city of Athens. He preached this message and urged them to lay down their lives before Jesus Christ who was raised from the dead to be the judge of all men. So, what are we looking at here? That the predictions of the prophets were about Christ and his people. Secondly, the predictions of the prophets were not their own ideas, but they were revelations of the Spirit. The Spirit of Christ, it says in verse 11, the Spirit of Christ in them. He was the one who was showing them these things. It didn't come out of their own imaginations. He had anointed them for a special ministry. He had anointed them to prophesy. He gave them some kind of insight, vision, or understanding of what was going to happen in the future regarding the Messiah. Now, Peter expands a bit on this reality in his next letter when he says in 2 Peter 1.21, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So it wasn't the will of Isaiah and Jeremiah that bring about these prophecies. It was God's will. Isaiah just didn't sit down one day and say, well, this is a nice day to give a prophecy. Let me see what I can think of to write about the Messiah. No. The Spirit sovereignly came on him at a time and a place and a manner of Yahweh's choosing. We don't know when it happened. Maybe it was in the middle of the night. Maybe when he was walking out in the hills. But he knew the voice of God. And he was filled and consumed with the spirit of prophecy. And he wrote down these prophecies, for example, Isaiah 9, 6, For to us a child is born, a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah received this. He wrote it down. It was almost too much to imagine that such a, a wonderful person could arrive in human history. It says that the Spirit of Christ was indicating certain things about the Christ. It doesn't tell us how he indicated these prophecies, but that he did it. It says in verse 12 that these prophecies about the Christ were revealed to them. There again, it doesn't give us any details about the process. It just says it happened. Somehow the Holy Spirit made it clear that these prophecies were about the Messiah and these prophets wrote them down to preserve them for future generations. And their prophecies were not wasted. At least some people believed them and read them. Many people ignored them, rejected them. 
and went about their merry way of life with no regard to God's prophecy. But there were others, such as Mary, who knew the Old Testament, and she was a humble servant of the Lord. There was Simeon the prophet, who believed that the Messiah would come. In fact, God showed him that this little baby Jesus was the Messiah. There was Anna also. And then there were all the apostles who, having been taught by Christ, began to put two and two together, the, the prophecies with what they knew of Jesus and by the help of the Holy Spirit, understood clearly that they were fulfilled in Jesus. Well, who is this Spirit of Christ is called? He's called the Spirit of Christ here. He's the third person of the triune God. He communicates the things of God to the people of God by His invisible indwelling presence and guidance. He gave the prophets some specific predictions about the Messiah's coming and ministry. He predicted. Last half of verse 11. He predicted the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. He predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It doesn't say it predicted. It says he predicted. The person. He. He's a person who communicates with people. He's an invisible person. He's the one who communicates the will and the knowledge of God to human beings. He is the link. He's the bridge. The connection between divinity and humanity, between God and his people. How do we even know and understand about Jesus Christ? It's because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. John 15, 26 says, this is Jesus speaking, when the helper, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. How do you understand anything about Jesus today? It's because the Holy Spirit has communicated that to your understanding. Now, in verse 12, Peter reminds us of the authority and divinity of the Holy Spirit when he says, the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Every single word here has meaning. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's a treasure chest that we're to dig into and, and discover and find. He came from heaven because that was his eternal dwelling place. Along with the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit was sent. This indicates that he didn't just come entirely on his own, but other persons were involved. The Spirit was sent by the Father and the Son. He came from heaven because he was commissioned by God to do a work among people. John 14, 8, He, the Spirit, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The Spirit came for a number of related reasons, and the chief being to reveal the Son of God to humans, to convince us of our sins, 
to show us the beauty and glory and the holiness of the Son of God and then to regenerate us, to cause spiritual life to come alive in us. So our human hearts, which were full of sin and selfishness and moral corruption, the Spirit entered and it did something that no other power on earth could do. No human program or psychological uh, program could do. And that is to change a human heart to enable us to grow in godliness and forsake more and more our old habits of worldliness and ungodliness. Oh, what a wonderful work the Spirit of God does in sinners like us. The blessed Spirit of God, the eternal Spirit of God, the inhabitant of all eternity, comes down to this vile, dark earth where sin and evil are reigning, and he enters human hearts. He changes the hearts of sinners. Oh, Holy Spirit, how we need you. How we thank you. How we love you. Because you bring the Father and the Son to us. Hallelujah. So why do we need to study the prophets? So we can understand how that these predictions were fulfilled in Jesus, uh, the Messiah, and strengthen our faith in Christ as the one to whom biblical prophecy points to and is supremely fulfilled in him. Now, there's a third great truth here. And here it is. The Holy Spirit, who inspired the prophets, also inspired the preachers of the gospel. Now look at verse 12. <clears throat> says, it says, they were serving, it was revealed to them, there's the prophets, that they were serving not themselves, but you, and the things that have been announced to you. Through those who preach the good news. So the, the gospel is an announcement. Mm -hmm. It's an announcement to people, to the world, of what God has done in history. Amen. To save his people from their sins. It is good news. It is the best news that sinful humans could ever hear. How does it apply to us? We hear it, we receive it, and then we need to pass it on. We must announce the gospel to others. How are they going to know if we don't announce it to them? That's our solemn responsibility. Now, another thing here. The gospel was announced by the preachers. So what we see here is that gospel, the gospel comes through men to other men. From one human vessel to another human vessel. It's because this is God's determined way of spreading the message of salvation into the hearing of the peoples of the earth. And so, as part of this plan of God, Jesus, one of the last things he told his apostles was to go forth into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of the nations. God entrusted the spread of his church to these sinful men who were far from perfect. 
But he trained them for three years. And then he sent them forth. Frail men sharing the precious treasure of the gospel with other frail people. Now, there's another wonderful thing here about the gospel, the announcement of the gospel. It is a personal message. It is not impersonal. Look at verse 10. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours. It doesn't say the grace that's to be theirs down the street, but yours. You people. The people to whom he was writing. It is a personal message to be received. And then it says in verse 12, they were serving not themselves, but you. God has a personal interest in you to send the gospel to you. That you can receive the message of Christ and be changed forever. You see, because the gospel is sent forth by preachers who were sent by the Spirit. These preachers just didn't come to this area by mistake. God and His sovereignty sent them there to rescue the people in this part of Asia Minor from their sins, from their lostness. The preachers are sent by the Spirit of God from heaven and the content of what they preach was given by the Spirit from heaven. So, these, this gospel message spoken from the mouths of men sent by the Spirit from heaven has divine origin. It came from heaven. Divine origin. And therefore it carries divine authority. It's not a message you can take or leave it if you feel like it. You either accept it and embrace it or you pay the consequences. And it has the blessing of divine approval. God approves of what he's inspired to be written. He approves of the preachers going forth to take the message of Christ. And then it must be received by the hearers with deep gratitude and humility. You see, it's the presence of the Holy Spirit that gives the gospel the indwelling power to work salvation in a person's life. Paul wrote, Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. People can make fun of Paul. Oh, Paul, you were so hard on Jesus. Now you're a follower of Jesus. He wasn't ashamed of being a follower of Jesus. All his old pharisaical friends could make fun of him, but he wasn't ashamed because he knew the power. He knew how it had changed his heart and forgiven him of his sins, which he never got under Judaism, the legalistic Judaism that he was a part of. 
Well, the Holy Spirit sent from heaven blesses his gospel message. He blesses his word as it's taught. He doesn't bless anything extraneous to his word. Therefore, we have to be careful to be biblically accurate when we share the gospel with people. God can only bless by his spirit that which is true to his word. And so we got to be diligent students of his word. I need to be more diligent. And so we must also pray for the Spirit's presence and his guidance and his power in our lives as we share with others. He can use people like us to bring this everlasting treasure to the attention of others so they can hear and believe and be saved and rejoice with us. The bottom line is we have to depend absolutely on God's Spirit to bless and reveal the gospel to sinners. If He doesn't open up their understanding, they're not going to understand. Well, what have we seen today? We've seen this. First of all, that the predictions of the prophets were about two things. They're about Christ and about his people. You can't separate them. And the, we've seen that the predictions of the prophets were not their own thinking, but they were revelations of the very Spirit of God in heaven. He had made known to them these predictions about the Messiah. And then we lastly saw that the Holy Spirit, the same one who inspired the ancient prophets, inspired the apostles and the disciples, the preachers of the gospel, to make the good news known. So we need to read the prophets, see how their predictions were fulfilled in Christ, to strengthen our faith that God had a purpose running through history that culminated and the sending of his son to be the savior of his people. So we need to listen to the word of God, hear it, receive it carefully, wholeheartedly, and with joy, and then to share it with others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you were moving hundreds of years, even before Christ was born, in the lives of men such as Moses and David and Jeremiah and Isaiah and Daniel and Micah and Zechariah to show them the things of Christ to come. And then in your own perfect timing, you sent your Son into history and these prophecies were fulfilled one by one throughout his life and into his death and resurrection. Oh Lord, you have done great things in the human race, among the prophets and the apostles, and even blessed us to be a part of this great movement of the Spirit of God throughout the earth. Thank you, Father, 
for not leaving us alone as orphans, but giving us your spirit to be our helper, the one who reveals Christ to us, who guides us through our lives day by day. Lord, continue to teach us your word, that we may know your truth, that we may rejoice in Christ and use us to share this blessed good news with those around us. Lord, use us in your service. We want to see others come out of darkness into the light. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.